We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Wonderful Tuesday to you. It's Ivy Nation Sports Talk. It is Styers. I don't know how to make a squared with my hand, like a hand signal. Styers squared day. He's Jesse Styers. I'm Sean Styers. Sounds like uh, Cleveland got at least some weather today. We had we started off the day with a few inches of snow here in South Bend, and then as the day went on, it warmed up a couple degrees, and it was cold rain. The rest of the day. What did Cleveland get? Cleveland has been, it started off actually colder in the morning, and I think it got warmer as the day went on, but it's just been darkness, coldness, and windiness all day. And so as soon as you step outside, you know, the hair's going everywhere, there's rain smacking you in the face. Um, And I decided to go into work today. So I I got a good dose of (laughs) getting smacked in the face with some wind and rain. Tommy Guns says he's getting dumped on in Chicago. So and that doesn't sound good because that's just going to keep way. working its way east yeah. to Cleveland. So it's like it sounds like it's just going to rain all night. Yeah, sounds. Are like we it. surprised though? Because I think the nation is mourning after last night's game. <laughs> is the nation mourning? Salty likes the hoodie. Thank you. Got this. Hey, that's. I even told you that when I saw you last time. Yeah. Christmas gift, actually. So, yeah, we will get to the national championship game. Folks are uh, very happy about the photo that I have used, the cover photo for the show today. DK, not happy about it. Blasphemous, he says. He'd rather look at Dak Prescott. It Both are winners. <laughs> that's, that's that's true. True story. It's a uh, it's a photo of um, you know, from the game last night, a Michigan player. I think it was uh, Sindel, whatever his name is, the defensive back making a tackle against Washington is the cover photo we used. I mean, you know, got to do what what we can. Anthony, appreciate the super chat, says he hasn't been able to watch much live lately. Looking forward to a great season at IB. So are we, Anthony. So are we. Well, we'll get to uh, the national championship game here in a minute, but we had some breaking news early this evening. Late this afternoon, that's right, Jaden Harrison from Marshall. And uh, he started his career at Vanderbilt, wide receiver slash kickoff returner. Not a big guy, 5'11", 195 pounds, but you don't have to be big to return 
kickoffs for big yards, second in the nation, averaged 30.7 yards on 23 kickoff returns this past season for Marshall. He's originally from Tennessee and uh, was, uh, you know, his two kick, he actually returned two for touchdowns as well, and he earned All-American honors from multiple organizations, Football Writers Association of America, Walter Camp Football Foundation, Athlon, CBS, Fox Sports, and Phil Steele as well. Um, 28 receptions for 410 yards, 14.6 per reception. This year, 71 for 779 over the course of his career as a wide receiver can play Z or slot. The other Z receivers are Jaden Greathouse. This is potentially, of course, Greathouse Mitchell and Cam Williams, the X guys, the bigger body guys, Jaden Thomas, Deion Colsey, Bo Collins, Micah Gilbert as well. But uh, the primary thing, primary reason they went out and got him is kickoff return. So this is the seventh transfer portal guy with the addition of Jaden Harrison. What do you think about this move by the Irish, Jess? Yeah, so I, I was at work today, got a little bit bored. And uh, once I saw the news, I kind of popped up some YouTube highlights. And I think the first thing that came to mind is obviously the speed. Um, you're always going to find a way to put speed on the field or anytime you can get a boost in the speed department. That's never a bad thing. Um, and so, yeah, it makes the, you know, makes the return game more dynamic, um, good hands. And I think the thing that surprised me the most is he has a really big frame for someone that's, you know, kind of small. And I say small, well, he's a little for a five eleven guy. Yeah. And I'm like five ten, five eleven. So like I, you know, small is relative here, but, um, <laughs> to me, to me, the, um, you gonna you gonna give him the quickness advantage over you? <laughs> it's definitely gonna give him the quickness advantage over me. So, <laughs> but like the the and I hate that it comes back to this, but to me the best comparison that I can think of is Cavante Turpin for the Cowboys. Um, you know the USFL MVP got brought into the Cowboys to mainly be a return guy, uh, play a little bit in the slot here and there, and now the Cowboys and and Turpin's year two. I've actually developed some more kind of run plays for him or plays center around him. So that's kind of what I'm guessing you'll see at a Notre Dame is if you design gadget plays with him in there. This guy can do that as well. And, you know, obviously the danger with that because the receiver room is becoming deeper with the other additions that they already have with guys like Chris Mitchell and, and Bo Collins. And now you add this guy, you know, plus the guy that they had and the freshman coming in. How much? How much? How much is he actually on the field? Because you know we've we've seen plenty of times before where personnel wise, you tip. Ah, this could be coming if this guy's on the field. You know that kind of stuff. It's something to to watch out for down the line. But you do you know again and like in those highlights that you talked about, you see him with some reverses or end arounds. You know some jet sweeps and and that kind of stuff. So it's you know it's something that everyone obviously wanted to see. Chris Tyree do a little bit more of that we didn't see that much of, but he's got that, he's got that skill set. So I like the depth piece just in terms of the receiver room, but again, it's the kickoff returns, a guy taking two back for touchdowns in the same season. He had a 98 yarder this year, had a 99 yarder a couple of years ago. So a guy, you know, you talked about that speed and speed does kill and he's got a lot of it and uh, that will That'll be big, you know, and like you look at Jadarian Price, he actually averaged a little bit better on his kickoff returns this year. The thing is, he didn't have that many. He had just 
10 returns and he averaged 34.4 on those 10 returns, but he didn't have enough returns to qualify for the top spot. The Irish as a team had just 21 returns, but that is a product of what, Jesse? Speed. Good defense. Good defense. <laughs> the fact that the fact that Notre Dame didn't have a lot of kickoff returns may, means that there was not a lot of scoring against them, right? So that, you Correct. know, like you can't, you know, you can't uh, not Jadarian Price, but can't get the ball if you're not letting the other team score. That's my point. That's my point. Thank you. And now Price, whether or not he continues to be the kickoff return man, or maybe that goes someplace else, that'll be sort of TBD, I think, because with uh, Audric Estime leaving, he becomes a bigger part of the running back right. rotation and potentially it's kind of the, the formula that we've seen is younger guys start off their career. A backup running back usually gets their shot as a returner until they become kind of mixed into that rotation. You know, the exception would be Devin Ford, but they got him specifically, I think, kind of for that reason and to provide more depth um, in the running back room. I guess if he's going to return kicks, you would have to assume that he's likely going to be in the mix to return punts as well, right? Potentially. So, yeah, I would say that that's something else to look forward to is, you know, if he's a dynamic kick returner, then I don't have any question that he would be a dynamic punt returner as well, you know, like a Devin Hester type of guy. So, yeah. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. 
Salty is critiquing the uh, the definition on the, uh, the you know you can't you can't today. win them all. This is a, a camera <laughs> built into the laptop. Jesse's got a little soft focus going on there. I mean, I've got the sharp I've got the sharp focus because my Mac I only bought it in August, so that's what right. five months ago or something like that. So you also have yeah. better lighting. I'm still trying to figure out my lighting. And my ring light actually broke on our last podcast. You so. and that ring light, like you have gone, you've gone many rounds with the ring light. <laughs> I don't have a ring light, and somehow, I my, know my uh, my my lighting has been a little bit more. Just, I see you. I see you took down the Christmas tree. Did you guys do that over the weekend? Yeah, we did a <laughs> we did a lot over the weekend. Uh, step one was taking down and putting away Christmas stuff. Step two. Uh, was going through all of the clutter and decluttering. And then step three was introducing the new stuff we got from Christmas. And step four was doing a clean. It was a two-day affair. It took a Saturday and Sunday. So my whole weekend uh, was cleaning and you know putting together the house. But it looks a lot better now. So happy about it. All right. Anthony wants to know your 40 time. Did you ever have an official 40 time that you want to talk about? Um, I got under five a couple times. <laughs> Okay. Four eight was probably I think the, the best I ever did when training. Okay. That's middle linebacker. Don't forget. So And that I mean, was you, in an era where middle even Manti, even Manti be... had had troubles, you know, keeping it under five sometimes. So well and, and they, I you know, I was kind of in that right before that era before, you know, middle linebackers were run stoppers first. Now they are kind of the hybrid position, especially in the NFL. So when I was playing, was a little bit um, not you know speed wasn't as relevant as long as you could fill some some downhill holes. But um, I think in today's game, I probably would have been more equipped at like the defensive end position. A lot of you know we've we've, we've talked before. Our guy Dan Quinn loves those safety bodies playing linebacker, but there's a lot more of that just across the game now with with uh, you know guys who are safeties. You know, look at Drew Tranquil and where he started out and where where he ended up playing you know linebacker so yeah it's just kind of crazy that it's it, the, that that's like the kind that the progression is guys will start out in college as safety and then they'll move to be kind of an undersized linebacker and then they'll bulk up and now they have safety speed but they're playing yeah. linebacker so i was never i don't think i was ever like slow but i definitely wasn't what you would call fast but i think <laughs> i had some deceptive speed here and there yes your uh your acumen your, you know, your, your film study, you know, your, your knowing where you were supposed to be helped you be what, like a step, a step faster, right? On the, yeah. Uh, I mean, that, and that's what I've talked time. about a lot before. Yeah. I really studied the game in order to kind of make up for maybe the lack of speed right. or anything, but my claim to fame was laying out a triple inside a minor league baseball stadium. So <laughs> while right. being, while being told to stop at second, but yes. I knew my speed. That head coach of my yours, speed. That head coach of yours always with the stop sign. What was his deal, man? <laughs> like, I don't what was he thinking? The doubles were know. too easy. It was time to start squeezing in some triples. That's right. Should have gone for inside the park home runs more often, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> Andre also wants uh more whiteboard over the next three to four months. Do we're you gonna have, have any... downtime. Do you have any whiteboard pl- Maybe you should start thinking about some whiteboard ideas and put together you know, kind of where some whiteboard might be dropped in. 
at some points. I'm thinking about maybe uh, a film review of some Den Brock and, and Jaden Daniels and how that could be incorporated into Riley Leonard. Okay. Um, like you it. know, we'll see here and there. Well, yeah, I think that that's a, I need to sit down one of these days and, and find some now that <clears throat> the season is over and we've got some good time, find some things to that. And also too, if there's anything that people would like me to look at, that's, you know, that's also an option too. So if you have suggestions, it's a good one, throw I'm your ideas. Than, what do you want like to entertain them? Yeah. I'm sure Salty's got to have, you know, some, some ideas, but Andre, Andre throwing, throwing uh, his own heat. DK brings up a good point here. Uh, The the bar route on the, on the whiteboard. I no longer guard running backs running wheel routes out of the backfield. I just run my bar routes. That's all I do. (laughs) All right. National championship game. Last night, Michigan beat Washington 34 to 13. They capped their 15 and 0 season. They give Michigan their first national championship since they shared it in 1997 with Nebraska. Who's got it better than them, Jess? Who's got it better than them? Uh, I, I don't think I, 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 and I say this in all seriousness. You're supposed to say nobody. <laughs> nobody. <laughs> no, but honestly, this week is the pinnacle of football in the state of Michigan. You have Michigan winning the national championship and you have the Lions who just won the division for the first time ever and hosting a playoff game for, I don't know, like 30 years or something like that, or that might be the first time ever. So if you're a Michigan football fan, this is your week. This, I don't think that anything can top this week except maybe a Lions loss on Sunday, but Hey, who, who would want that to happen besides me? Yep. 1997. C.J. Carr, not born yet. His grandfather, of course, of course, Lloyd Carr, led the Wolverines to that championship with Brian Greasy in 1997 as the quarterback. Tom Brady was the backup. And Charles Woodson beats Peyton Manning for the Heisman Trophy. And, uh, of course, later on, Peyton and Ryan Leaf would uh, be the one-two picks in the NFL draft, 1997. That takes me back. Takes me back and makes me feel old when I was still bouncing somebody on my knee. But uh, <laughs> most Notre Dame fans were either rooting for Washington or against Michigan last night, depending on your perspective, I guess. Do you think that, that, that especially as, like, as Notre Dame fans, can you at least take solace in the fact that Ohio State fans have to live <laughs> – with Michigan winning a title for at least another year. I mean, you're out there in, in Bucknuts land. Were they sad today? Um, you know, honestly, no one came into the office today. So I don't know if that was a, like that was Maybe directly related to each other. Um, but after the game last night, I think like an hour or so had passed. And Naomi asked me, she, she looked over at me and she's like, why are you so mad? And I was like, well, Michigan just won the national championship, right? Like, I don't know. I just, I didn't want it to happen. I know that like, you know, it was probably going to happen at some point or whatever. Um, I would have paid to see you and Vince watch the game together last night. Actually, (laughs) that would have been worth the price of admission for me. Yeah. I, there were a couple, I just, we'll get into my thoughts about the game itself, but yeah, I mean, I don't, there's, I don't enjoy them winning and I I really want them to lose. 
So I was a little bit defeated last night. And I stayed a little ambivalent. I was just mostly ticked off that my parlay didn't come through because also same. I had a lot of stuff going on in that. I didn't. Did you win anything at all? Did no, you, like, and that was the, the frustrating yeah. part. I had a three leg parlay that I thought was pretty solid. People were telling me that you know I, I took the under on 55 and a half and that ended up producing and I'm and I'm sitting there doing the math at the end because I had the under on the game I had Corum to score a touchdown that finally happened he ended up with two of them obviously but then I also had Penix to throw for at least 300 yeah that's the one that screwed me and that's and you know and, and I'm sitting there doing the math though and I'm like well you know like they score. They've got a chance if they can, if he can just hit a couple of passes. And he ended up with I think two fifty five is what he ended up with. I mean, if he hits that pass that got called back on the holding call, you know, I'm I'm right there in the ballpark. Yeah, so. and the Dunze drop touchdown as well. You would probably yep. be yep. right there. And I I had him for three hundred and two passing touchdowns. So I you know came up short on both of those. And it was just every time they ran the ball in goal line, I about lost my mind. <laughs> That's. I couldn't figure out the game plans of either team, really. You know, like Michigan, they get up to the 14-3 to lead, and they decide, oh, we're going to start throwing the ball around now. And then Washington, with a running back with a bum ankle and a bum knee. That's what, like they were giving the, the ball reports. to the guy who had one healthy body part. Yeah. Like, I don't I don't get it. I, I didn't really understand what exactly they were doing. But I, I think the bottom line to me is – Two things for Washington, because I think this could have been a much more competitive game. Penix, I just, you know, one, he he was facing some pressure, probably the most pressure that he's faced all year. That didn't look like the Joe Moore award-winning offensive line to me out there for Washington, especially with those holding calls, you know, fair or not later on. But didn't look like the Joe Moore award-winning line. Penix looked, um, you know, I'll give him the fact that maybe he was a little bit one. I give him full credit for for gutting it out there in the fourth quarter and trying. It looked like, and I haven't you know seen any official reports today, but it looked like he probably you know broke some ribs or something the way you know he was he was hurting out there. So give him give him credit later on. But even so, my comment is more about early in the game. He just he was off. Obviously, he was off all night. I don't yeah. know if he he just you know wasn't ready for the moment or what, but. He was off, and then his receivers had so many drops as well, and that did Washington zero favors. Yeah, I guess my general kind of observations would be Michigan's defense, really, really, really good defense, and so I think that yep. played into to some of the miscues with Penix. Um, I thought, yeah, the offensive line for being the Joe Moore winner, not great, especially 73, the right tackle. Um, and I, I thought I, I get you can't pass the ball every play, but I thought Washington really forced some runs when things weren't going well, right? Like Penix is your guy. And I, I mean, outside of a couple explosive, like run broken run plays for Michigan, I didn't think their offense was great either. And I, I just think I overall, outside of Michigan's defense, it was a sloppy national championship. I don't think either offense played well. Um, and Agreed. I thought Michigan's defense played really solid, but to me, the biggest thing offensively for Washington was if we're, if we're thinking of Penix, like a rifle, he just felt a little off calibrated all night and he couldn't get calibrated. And then it didn't help that even on some of those throws, his wide receivers were dropping it or they weren't on the same page or it gets called back on a phantom holding. 
you know, that sort of stuff. They're, they just never could get in momentum. And then they'd get a couple yeah. first downs, and then 73 would hit a false start. And now you're looking at first and 15 again. Yeah, that's – and I think that's it. They, you, I think the momentum, I think you hit it on the head. They they just couldn't string a few plays together. It was just like, ah, here, huh, there. Penalty calls back a big play. Overthrow. I mean, to me, that, that fourth down when he overthrows – Adunze, it felt like it was probably over at that point. Yet somehow, because like you said, it's not like Michigan just took over the game after that. That's that's kind of what Michigan is. Washington was still in it. They still had a chance in the fourth quarter. But again, you know, and that's where like you think with a quarterback like Penix and the you know the kind of weapons that he has around him and supposedly the offensive line that he has but you know I just came away completely unimpressed by Washington's offensive line but you thought that if you're going to leave them in the game in the fourth quarter if if you're going to let them hang around that long like it, it felt like someone like Penix had a chance you know to to rally him but it just it just never came together they just like you said they couldn't get any momentum and, and just string a few plays together and hit something yeah, and I, I think the thing that really surprised me is Michigan was tempting Washington by putting a Dunze one-on-one out there, Romeo Dunze, and it, they just didn't go after it. And they had a lot of success. And, you know, I should have actually maybe had a whiteboard for this one, but anytime Washington, they were in like two-by-two two sets, anytime uh-huh. they would motion a guy and get a stack, and so the wide receivers were stacked on each other and then they would release, Michigan couldn't do it. They had a lot of open – opportunities with yeah. when they would stack like that and like that overthrow to a dunze yeah exactly and so i don't understand when michigan's tempting you and and, and allowing you to play one-on-one with the top wide receiver in the country and you're creating motion stack why are you not taking advantage of that consistently and the other blaring thing to me uh michigan offensively <laughs> you know jim harbaugh came out and said that jj mccarthy is the best quarterback in michigan history Yet when the game was on the line in the second half, one, McCarthy didn't look good, and two, they had no faith in him. They were just handing the ball off consistently. And it just felt like, again, the game plan was, okay, let's just not let J.J. turn the ball over. Let's not let him make a a critical mistake. And if that's the game plan, that's fine. But you can't say that this is the best quarterback Michigan has ever seen and him go out and perform like that. They had zero faith in him. They did not want him – to lose that game. They were doing everything they could, in my opinion, to take the ball out of J.J. McCarthy's hands. Yeah, I mean, it's not like he had a huge night. I mean, really, like when you look at the way Michigan was built and just what they've done all season, but especially last night, you know, this the way they go about things, it's like (laughs) you're going back 15 or so years to the Greg McElroy, A.J. McCarron, Alabama teams. You know, he was 10 of 18 for 140 yards, didn't turn the ball over. And that's basically all they asked of him. He hit that big, that, that big run. I think it was on third down to convert. That was a big one. But other than that, you know, Blake Corum goes for 134 yards, Donovan Edwards, 104 yards, touchdown runs of 41 and 46. You know, they had, they ended up with over 300 yards, but they had over 200 of it by halftime. And just it was just keep the ball away from Washington and like you said don't let don't let JJ McCarthy make any mistakes that's what it's yeah like. and so you, you you know you hit it like over 200 at half and finished just above 300 
And then a hundred of that came off those two, you know, Edwards runs. So it's like, if you, yeah. to me, and I, I get it that those plays happen, you can't take those plays away. You know, they are what they are, but you take away those two big run plays. Like what did Michigan's offense really accomplish all evening? You know, like they really didn't do a whole lot in my opinion, but and that was, that was the formula for them. Those were relatively easy plays to make as well because right. you know in both cases there were gaping holes and Washington overcommitted there was you know there was there was no help back there at all it's like once once Edwards hit those holes there wasn't much work to do afterwards it was just run to daylight you know <laughs> yeah it was jump cut find the hole and then just take off yeah when you look at what Michigan did though offensively and like you listen to Marcus Freeman talk about wanting to be an offensive line defensive line driven team I mean they ended up averaging eight yards per carry last night does this feel like sort of the blueprint that Freeman wants to emulate I think it is because Notre Dame's defense is closer to Michigan's defense than I think what people many people would expect but I don't think that Marcus Freeman would be as one-dimensional as they were on offense. I think he definitely wants to lean on the offensive line in the run game. But I, I think he I wants know, more man. passing production than what they showed last Did night. Did you watch that Ohio State game <laughs> this year? Like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I agree. I, I mean, I don't think they're. I don't think he wants to completely take the air out of the ball. But having a like this year specifically having a mobile quarterback like Riley Leonard definitely helps as well, you know, just in terms of another dimension that even Michigan doesn't, you know, doesn't have with that offense. So yeah, it, it definitely seems that way. But like when you look at the body types that Michigan has on the defensive side of the ball specifically, like that's, that's where, that's where Notre Dame still has to go if they want to get there. And by the way, you know, coming out of that 2012 BCS championship game, you know, again, like when you look at where the game has gone offensively over the last few years, Michigan is still the outlier. Like this really is the old Nick Saban blueprint before yes. he finally realized really oh, there's more defense. to offense than just, you know, beating people to death up front, you know? Yeah, and I think a big part of it is – Michigan's formula for success is built around controlling the ball in terms of clock management, not turning the ball over and getting an early lead because you can't play that style of offense. Right. If Penix jumps out to a 14 0 lead. That's right. But, and so you have, it's a very step-by-step -step formula. And as long as it's, you know, they're hitting their steps or they're making those, you know, benchmarks, then everything goes to plan I wanted Washington to jump out to the lead so we could kind of see Michigan get out of that formula that yeah. they used the last Knock four or out five of their game. games. The Penix season. could never make the plays. Penix right. and his guys couldn't make the plays. Didn't have a chance. Yep, that's right. But I think if you're a Notre Dame fan, you should feel rejoice or hope because they are very close to kind of what that Michigan blueprint was last night. Really good defense, strong offensive line and run game, not as strong as Michigan's. But I think that they're more dynamic in the passing game. So how can you find a way to use your passing game to maybe, you know, make up for the fact that you don't have as strong as a run game or offensive line? 
I think the answer is Riley Leonard because he also adds another dimension in the run game, right? Like I think he's a better runner than J.J. McCarthy. um, And I think he's a better – I don't – J.J. McCarthy makes good throws here and there. He's just not consistent. And so I think the consistency in in Leonard's pass game will prove to be pretty um, detrimental. I think that's – detrimental or an asset like Assets, I think, yeah i mean that's that but that's still to me going to be the question especially if you're forced into comeback mode because we saw some of it in that duke game for example you know like when when you're when you're built like that just what you said it's it's easy to play with the lead but it's much harder to play from behind and i, and I think that that will be the question for a guy you know like Look at those, look at all those two minute drills, just as an example. Remember to start off the season for uh, Sam Hartman last year with, yeah. you know, like pass, pass, but you know, like can Riley Leonard be that kind of guy? I, you know, I really, I really don't know about that. You know, like can he be the guy, you know, if you're down by a touchdown at the end of the game, can he be that guy to use his arm? Yeah, like if Notre Dame is down by 10 with 10 minutes left, can you go down the field efficiently, passing the ball, get a touchdown, make it a one-score game, hope your defense can get a stop, and then go down the field and ultimately win the game again? For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. DK, by the way, I think it was DK said he fell asleep at halftime. I actually felt like, you know, they kicked it off a little after 7.45. To me, it felt like 7.45, that's like, I think that is maybe the perfect time, like perfect kickoff time in terms of not too early, not too late, you know, for any major sporting event. I, th- I think that that is a really yeah, good Yeah, if we could stick to actually. this this like 7.30 thing, it would be fantastic because yeah. I think that, that game was over before 11 o'clock and I swear every other national championship bleeds in, until after midnight, almost, you know, one o'clock in the Ugh. morning. And it was really yeah. funny because – the night before, so Sunday night, Naomi asked me, she's like, what time's the national championship on? And I was like, oh, I think it's like 8.30, maybe even 9 o'clock. And I was like, let me check my phone. And I was like, 7.30? What is this business? You know, and that that proved to be very helpful, right? At the end of the day, like, again, we weren't going to bed, you know, at midnight, 12.30, 1 o'clock. It was, all right, this game is over. And, you know, I get it, it's still late, but it's not like deadly late. You're like, not to the point where like, you're gonna be feeling it at work the next day. Ah, uh, DK knocking a couple cold ones back last night. Okay, okay. Cure for what ails you, I guess. So Notre Dame ends up number fourteen in the final AP poll with a ten and three record. They they moved up two spots from the poll before the bowl games. Michigan, of course, is number one. Washington, Texas, Georgia, Alabama, Florida State, in that order. Seventh straight top twenty finish for Notre Dame. Seven years. In a row, basically since the train wreck season of 2016, they have finished in the top 20 every time. And uh, there are only four other teams that have done that. Can you name any of those four other teams 
that have finished in the top 20 for the last seven years? Um, obvious answer. I bet be you get them. Think Alabama, yeah. Georgia, yeah. Ohio State. Yep. I would say Clemson, but not Clemson. Um, it's easier than you think. Penn State? Nope. Um, you just said it. <laughs> Clemson? Clemson. Yeah. <laughs> so I got them all right. Yeah. Not a hard task. Yeah. And Clemson just snuck in there this year by their finish starting with Notre Dame, unfortunately. that was So that's the one I was hung up on this year. I was like, I don't know if they made it, you know, technically in that final rankings. Mm-hmm. Decaf said, perfect time for a Saturday night. Some people have to get up at 4.15 in the morning. I don't. I don't blame you. I used to have that schedule myself and, you know, like get it, you know, like trying to stay up late. You know, there were times, you know, like watching Sunday night or Monday night football, I would try to take a little bit of a nap, you know, like in, <laughs> for a couple hours before the game sometimes because that wake up call, I mean, it, it hits you. I, I you know, I, I'll be curious how long this Monday national championship uh, game format stays in place because the NFL, these last couple of weekends to close out their regular season, they start moving some of their games to Saturday because there are no college football games. But with the playoff format, you're going to have more Saturday. You know, you're going to have college football games played on Saturday. And uh, it's going to, you know, bleed into your, you're going to have both NFL and college playing, uh, playing playoff games at the same time. We'll save that because that's, that's kind of uh, ties into something we're going to talk about in rapid fire. So we'll talk about that in a minute. I wanted to see though, while we have our live viewers right now, have a little, uh, have a little technical thing going on that I wanted to see if we could get some input on. So my dad, he's losing his vision. He's a Vietnam vet. He's got, he had, uh, you know, he was over there, had Agent Orange exposure, and he's gradually losing his vision. So it's gotten a lot worse in the last couple of years. And Jesse can attest to this because he's helped him out with a lot of uh, technology type stuff. My sister is a college basketball coach so my dad you know she's out in california so my dad used to watch her games on the espn app on the ipad but that became too much you know like seeing you know like the small icons and all that stuff so jesse over christmas being the great grandson that he is <laughs> he set the espn app up on the tv bigger screen Bigger screen and all that kind of stuff, but there's still major issues with the small buttons on the remote that he can't see and, you know, reading what's on the screen. With the voice activated, you know, like if you get, if you got a new TV, have you ever, you know, used one of those voice activated remotes, Jesse, or anyone out there who might be, you know, watching and can comment in the chat? Like, could that be the solution? You know, like you get the voice activated remote. Can you, can you go like, you know, go to the ESPN app and then say, go to the Cal Poly women's basketball game. Like, would that, do you think that would work? Like, is that, have people used those enough uh -oh. that like, we got we're trying to figure out 
because he, you know, he lives by himself and he's had to go get help, you know, to, to open up the app because the remote thing is just, it's, it's not working right now. You can attest to this more than me, Jess, because you've been the technical support for your grandpa. <laughs> yeah, I was, uh, you know, it, it used to be, we could be on the phone for an hour trying to get him navigated to where he needs to be. Um, and by that time, the game is almost at halftime or, you know, maybe even into the third quarter. Um, but we, we, we've gotten a new, and I don't know if I told you this part, but I, I taped stuff onto his remote. So he had, uh, like pointers to where he needs to get to. But the problem the is remote. he still has to read that. And he has to like, literally, so you were, you were out to, to dinner with some friends Saturday night and I got the call. And so, he, you know, we do like, okay, FaceTime me and then hold, you know, the camera up. So. He's trying to hold the camera up to the TV so I can see what's on the screen, but he kept turning away so I could only see half the screen. But then he also had to get out his flashlight so he could, you know, like read the buttons on the remote. And it was just, he finally had to go get a neighbor. And fortunately, the neighbor was able to help him. But it seems like, it seems like the voice room, you know, you obviously you're going to have to invest in the new TV, but it seems like the voice remote might be our best shot. What do you think? Yeah, and it sounds like based on some of the feedback, there's multiple options. The Apple TV has a voice remote. Um, Roku has one. It sounds like Xfinity has one. Comcast has one. And so it sounds like the voice remote is going to have to be the option. You know, like you hit the button and say, open the ESPN app, and it takes right. them to the ESPN app. And I tried it just experimenting today because I just got a new TV right before Christmas and it did, and it does. And I just found out today, it's got one of the voice remote, you know, so I pushed the little microphone and I said like, open up Netflix and I don't have Netflix all installed yet, but it opened up Netflix. So like it, at least got me halfway there. So that might have to be. That cuts out about half part. of the process. And right. So. You just have to know where one button is, <laughs> yeah. push that button, hold it down, and talk to the TV. <laughs> so maybe that's it. I see a lot of people chiming in saying the voice remote is pretty good. So I wish that I could just VPN into his TV and just well, control it for him. See, Salty says the other option is for Jesse to go there for the games and do whatever he wants. <laughs> The problem is my dad lives in Kansas. So we, yeah. we, we were doing all this back in Kansas over Christmas. So, you know, I live in Indiana. Jesse lives in Ohio. Ooh. Dad lives in Kansas. Daughter, you know, my sister lives in California where she coaches. So, Read that last comment. David. So David says he linked up his dad's computer for his TV. That way I can zoom in and control his TV. Ooh. Interesting. This now, my might dad be doesn't better. have a computer, but he does have the iPad. So I don't know. This might be something you need to. Uh... Yeah, Dave and I might need to have a discussion later. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm glad to know there's options out there for what we're talking about. Because we, yes. we, we definitely need a better solution than what's uh, what's going on. Because it's, it's like you said, it's FaceTiming. It's pointing the screen. And then he's got to put the phone down, turn the flashlight on, look yeah, at David, the remote. I don't want this to sound, you know, my dad's in the, you know, he is the, he's a boomer. He's right? almost 80. You know, like I said, he's a Vietnam vet. He's almost 80 and he's losing his eyesight. So the problem is the more technology you involve, the more difficult it's going to get, basically. 
you know so that's why i thought when i saw this voice remote i thought that they've been like doing it like that you know like linking in with the computer that's not a bad option but um david says his dad is a vet as well and he is 83 all right so they're they're probably about four and a half five years apart yeah so but again the problem is his eyesight is going. So the more technology you involve and the more buttons he has to find and stuff like that, that's where it becomes an issue. It really sounds like this great grandson of his needs to do some more research and come up with the best solution. <laughs> yes, that's right. I think that's what it comes down to, basically. All right. Well, I do appreciate the input. Um, Jesse, do you mind if I put your email or do you want to, can you, can you type your email in there? Like, yeah, I'll type my email, email you. It's just my email. None of you better spam me with some crazy stuff. <laughs> this is the last time I trust any of you. And that's specifically to DK. I feel like in Tommy guns, I feel like those are the guys that would might send me some un, unsolicited emails. I think you're right. T guns is right. Come on, Mr. Engineer. Well, you know, I haven't, I haven't, I wanted to listen and find out and then figure out what, what might be best. Salty says his progressive vision loss may be genetic. I think they have, the VA has determined it is 60% due to Agent Orange. So I think that there is at least some, you know, genetic in there, but they've determined that because of the Agent Orange exposure at 60%. So, you know, there's, there's veterans disability and, and all that. Kind of good stuff. Keith, I mean, that this is <laughs> my dad as a vet and is 94, and I got to keep him away from all electronics. And that's, you know, I'm just I'm just being pragmatic about this whole thing. And that's that's what I generally try to do. And you know, like when he called me the other day and he asked me to help, I was like, oh boy, this is gonna be this is gonna be because I didn't set any of it up, you know, I had no idea. And then it got logged out, of course, you know, and all that good stuff. But I appreciate the input from everybody. We'll uh, we'll have to give some of that a roll.